0: Thank you for listening. This is Israel Rebound, a podcast joining listeners around the world to Israel, exploring the ties that bind us through culture, identity, and current events. I'm Liz Feldstern, coming to you from Jerusalem, and I'm joined by my co-host, Alan Podash in California. Alan, how are you?
1: I'm great, Liz. Uh, good to see you again. It's been a very busy week in Israel. Um, lots of demonstrations, protests, uh, conversations. Um What have you been seeing?
0: So, yes, we are definitely in the throes of many a demonstration. Uh, People are accessing their uh, rights to to be heard and be seen, you know, impacting traffic here and there, but we're kind of used to it in Israel.
1: So I understand it's seven weeks in a row that on Saturday night, there are protests around the country uh anywhere from 100 to 250,000 people across the country coming out to demonstrate about judicial reform can you give me kind of an idea of how we've gotten here historically and currently
0: I I can try. So yeah, the Saturday night protests are so going on now. Monday afternoons have been added in. There was—I don't know exactly who decides on this schedule. That's a whole other topic. But last Monday, and uh, again, this coming Monday, meant to be a lot of protests. I am. How did we get here? So one thing that people may or may not know about Israel, and I guess it's kind of interesting, is that Israel does not have a constitution so to speak when the country was founded 1948 there was a sense i guess that there were enough issues going on from without and that it wasn't the right time to have a very heated conversation within about how do we set up the most basic document which is going to then shape the law of our country forevermore that seemed like a really big question at the time it is a really big question um and so instead the decision was made that they would pass fundamental laws usually translated as basic laws but that doesn't mean they're simple um, they would pass these fundamental laws as needed and, you know, once issues came up and after a certain amount of these basic laws had were in existence, then it would sort of make sense to everybody. We'd put them together and that that would be the constitution. And these basic laws did continue to be passed, I think on average of about once every four years up until the nineties. And then the process kind of slowed down. Um, and there have only been a few. Basic laws, new basic laws created since then, but um, uh, tied in with all of this judicial reform debate is a question of whether that constitutional, you know, process of coming up with the constitution is something that we need to renew. Um, right? If we had a constitution that clearly set up the system of of checks and balances, right. then we would not be having this kind of a, a debate about the really fundamental questions of who who can decide, right? I mean, we're talking about something as as fundamental as you know, if the Knesset, an elected, you know, democratically elected parliament, passes a law by majority. Does the Supreme Court have the authority to say "No or not? And what would it have to be in order for them to write? like that that's a really basic question. I think it is somewhat unusual that a country that has already existed as a democracy for seventy five years would not know the answer to that kind of a question.
1: So is the arbiter of the basic laws, this the High Court?
0: Well, until now, Yes, until now the Knesset has passed basic laws, but the um, the High Court has maintained within its purview the ability to strike down a basic law if they don't see it as in keeping with the laws that Israel ought to have.
1: So that's kind of where we are today, in a sense of the current government wants to pass new laws. And one of the laws is to minimize the over the control of the high court. Am I getting that right?
0: Yes. Yeah, that's exactly right. I, I mean, there's more than that, but that's definitely a, an important piece of it. Yeah.
1: So I have one question I remember several years ago when i would heard the basic law phrase used it had to do with um i believe it's the the current government's um role four or five years ago with the nation state law that um of the jewish people that was trying to be passed i don't remember what whatever happened with that but it was a very controversial um move or change at the time when I ha- discussed, you know, what Israel is as a country and the symbols and who it respe- represents and so on. Do you remember any of that?
0: Yeah, it was very controversial. I'm pretty sure that the one of the outcomes of that um, round of legislation was to remove Arabic as one of Israel's three national languages. Um, And so, you know, I think this sort of round of discussion of of judicial reform and who gets to decide what really actually does go back to to that right because that was a a pretty recent and major change in in Israel's basic laws
1: and do we know if that became part of the basic laws so it was approved and is now part of the the structure of of these fundamental rules or laws, policies.
0: So I am not as okay. a, uh, updated okay. Okay. on these things as I should be, but I believe that at the time it was an amendment to an existing basic law, and it what and they did amend it.
1: So okay, so I am you. Thanks to Mister Google. <laughs> As everybody refers to it, she probably misses Google because it has all the answers. Basic law passed on Basic law, the nation state of the Jewish people, passed on July nineteenth, two thousand and eighteen, by the twentieth Knesset. The law determines, among other things, that the land of Israel is the historical homeland of the Jewish people. The state of Israel, is the nation state of the Jewish people, in which it realizes its natural, cultural, religious, and historical right to self determination. And that exercising the right to national self-determination, in the state of Israel's is unique to the Jewish people. The law also deals with state symbols and official language, the status of Jerusalem, the state's connection with the Jewish people, and the gathering of the exiles. So, my point that I'm referencing or making here is: here was this huge controversial basic law that was um, presented in the twentieth Knesset that was passed. Has there been a Major impact on the state of Israel around this basic law, meaning if this judicial reform bill passes in the way it's originally set up, will Israel see a significant change in its uh, structure as a country? I know you're not a political science expert, but i <laughs> but you are a person on the street, not I, I street.
0: am a person on the street I sometimes. And sometimes a prison indoors. I am. Look, I think that without question, a change like this absolutely has the potential to make very significant changes. You know, even if one were to say, OK, you know, does it really matter if Israel, you know, has it on the books that uh, that it is the historical home of the Jewish people? or not? Does that language really matter? Does it really matter if Arabic is considered a national language or not? Does it really matter? But these things do matter for sure in the aggregate. And each one is a step toward some other piece of legislation that will be, you know, easier to pass and will have a precedent and um and it shapes who who we are as a nation. What is the story that we want to be telling ourselves about Israel. Um, And for an American, you know, something like that nation state law is really difficult, because it reminds us of the fact that Israel does not have a separation of church and state, has never intended to or attempted to. And that is a very different model than American democracy.
1: I I think you're you hit on something that is very important for people to understand, is that the the structure, the governmental structure of Israel and the governmental structure of America are very, very different. We are a uh, a country that elects a president. Uh, Israel does not elect a president. They have a parliamentary process where the majority of parties within the parliament picks their leader and things shift back and forth all the time. You know, we have our three branches of government. Israel doesn't really have three branches of government. It has the Knesset and it has the the courts. Uh, and so we're seeing that conflict. So you you said something that triggered a thought of mine and it's a current issue in America is that there was a an amendment to the constitution in America to protect um women's reproductive rights. Uh, it was Roe v. Wade, which our mm-hmm. which our Supreme Court overruled recently, uh, and it is no longer a protection for women gov- protected by the government. So l- rules do change, laws change, and how they change is critical. So in this case, it was the Supreme Court of the United States that overturned Roe v. Wade. So my question to you is, can a can a Knesset overturn a previous basic law.
0: So until now I think the assumption has been that the that the high court could if they saw reason to um and that is something that could change going forward. You know uh, a, both in the United States and in Israel, I think it is true that the court system is seen in a lot of ways as more stable, right? Than the um, than the what do you have your what do you call the other branch? You have the judicial branch, and you have the the legislative branch, I the guess it's like the parliament.
1: Exactly right. Part. So the
0: legislative would be the the parallel here, right? right? Um, right. That changes much more frequently. It goes back and forth and the courts I think are meant to feel more stable. Now there can be changes, right? The example that you're citing of, of Roe v. Wade being overturned that took 50 years. I am um, so, you know, 50 years is is a is a lot of stability. Um if it were up to the legislature, right, to, to change laws, I think It's likely to happen much more frequently. Every four years, you'd have, you know, major, major changes Um, in the United States and in Israel, God help us, where we have elections on average every 18 months. I mean, that's not really kind of what you can't have the basic laws that make up the freedoms that people do or do not enjoy in the country being something that could change every 18 months. That doesn't seem like a healthy plan.
1: Um, So that leads me to to the question that I asked earlier, can the Knesset overturn a previous basic law? So if this current Knesset, led by uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu, creates this new basic law about the judicial reform, can the next government overrule it and change it back to what it was before?
0: Uh, I mean, I guess lots of things are possible. Um, yeah, the question is, you know, just where will, what will become the the norm, right? There can always be another loophole found or another attempt to pass something. Those things will continue to happen. That's what government is supposed to do. That's what it's for. That's how the system works. Um, but... I don't think anybody wants to see a system in which the freedoms that people consider are right the basis of this democracy are something that is likely to change every time there's a different government in power.
1: So that's kind of the the benefit of having the structure of basic laws or fundamental laws that kind of hold the the daily values of the country together.
0: I think so. I mean it's why also you want to have law some laws that are so basic that the way to change them is different than quote unquote like regular laws, right? Yes, maybe the makes sense that the parliament absolutely should have enough authority on its own to make and change lots of kinds of laws. But are there not some laws that because of their very nature, right, are on a different level? And that the they should not be changeable at the whim of a run of the mill quote unquote government. That they you know that they are more entrenched than that, and it would take a lot more to to change them.
1: This has been a great conversation because it really it clarifies, opens up, and and practically explains why it's so challenging for people to understand this and and i I want to go back to just the fact that seven weeks of gathering people are protesting they're not protesting correct me if i'm wrong they're not protesting the current government of this coalition their their focal point is on this one legislative attempt to change judicial reform am i am i right on that or am i like, you
0: are right, but the two are very much intertwined because there are a lot of legal and judicial issues around some of the leadership serving in this current government. And so, changes to how the judicial branch works may directly impact whether they can remain in office. I am right, whether they can be ministers. We talked uh, a bunch of times about I am member of Knesset Deri, right, who in the end the was found that he could not be a minister and had to step down, was not happy about it. Um and you know, as we know, you know, Prime Minister Netanyahu is also still mid-trial. So so the two are connected. They're um yeah it's
1: so, not only about one or the other so one so it so basically it's a two-phase situation first phase if you change the oversight of the of the of the judges then that in a sense protects these individuals who are under uh indictment or being considered uh, not not legally able to represent the government using ra dairy uh, versus Netanyahu, Prime Minister Netanyahu's position. So if, if we can change the courts on one hand, that opens up the opportunity to protect the uh, charges against these two other individuals.
0: Yeah, I think there. I, yes, I do think that there is an assumption that these changes will make it easier for okay. the current government to pass whatever laws are most amenable to them being able to serve, being able not being convicted of crimes that they may be on trial for, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Well, that's uh that's a, that's really good to hear in terms of why are we in this situation. That's kind of how we started this conversation today. How did we get here? And you did a really good job of helping explain that. Uh we'll have to kind of okay. see. <laughs> we kind of have to see moving forward. I'm just I am We've talked a lot about how Israelis are very comfortable demonstrating and protesting and, and the like. Are you surprised that seven weeks in a row, the number is still substantial?
0: Um, it It is surprising. Um, it is surprising because it's not it's also it's not a topic that one would normally think, you know, would be, let's say, sexy enough to to garner that much public interest or for that length of time. Um, I think, I mean, it's sort of something to be proud of that, you know, people are literally getting out of off their couches and out of their front doors to make their voices heard about a topic that is somewhat, you know, esoteric, like to so say, you know, it's not like I'm protesting. The price of a gallon of milk or i'm protesting you know gay rights i'm protesting right something that's tangible to say i'm out protesting for changes to judicial reform i am um, is like a little bit more complicated to explain i am um, but i guess people are getting it and people understand why it's important and that's why we're seeing the numbers that we're seeing for so many weeks
1: so it's another. Stay tuned for updates, uh, and we'll we'll definitely do that next week when we talk again. I understand that the Knesset will be passing or trying to pass some bills this week that will indicate one way or the other whether or not judicial reform will take shape the way this current coalition wants it to. So we'll we'll update everybody next week after this week of. Um, legislative issues in the Knesset, also keeping an eye on future protests or demonstrations. And uh, again, you'll you'll soften us up with a little uh next week.
0: Okay, well, as a teaser, I can tell you that I already had my first hamantaschen of the season, just one, although it was quite large, and it was prune, and it was delicious. <laughs> that is all I will say about my first hamantaschen. <laughs>
1: Well, I think that's that's where we should end today. So thank you, Liz. And thank you, everybody, for listening to uh, Israel Rebound. It's a podcast that brings exciting contemporary issues about Israel to people around the world. As we know, we've got listeners all over the world, which is exciting. So thank you, Liz.
0: Thanks, Alan.